welcome to the Paint, Rest, Repeat podcast with Roz Gervais and Laura Day, where we chat about our creative lives as artists while keeping it real and a little bit messy. We're here to inspire creatives just like you to push past those boundaries and make art that you love. Let's dive in. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Paint, Rest, Repeat. We are thrilled today to have the beautiful Joan Blonde with us, who is going to be sharing with us her journey, her origin story, and what she's doing today. So hello, Joan. How are you? Hi. Thank you for having me. Nice to see you. It's our pleasure. Um, I've been watching you online for many, many years, and it's just amazing just to have you here. So thank you for saying yes. Yeah, I was a little little worried, but I've coped. I found the iPad. <laughs> That's so much of art life as well, isn't it? Just doing it anyway, just saying yes, working it out. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yes. So would you like to share a little bit with us about your background and how you came to art in the very first place? Yeah. Well, I'm not trained, you know, in any way. It's all self-taught. But I really started painting because my kids had grown up They were off doing their things with their friends. My son was playing cricket. My husband was out there scoring at the cricket. And I'd worked as a legal secretary in a legal office for a partner. And I'd done that for about 20 years. And I'd sort of come home on the weekend and everyone just cleared out of the house. And I thought, what am I going to do with myself? We did have horses. So, you know, that kept me a little bit busy. And we had a big property. But, you know, there was no people there. And I just sort of, I've always loved creative Things I've done all sorts of things, but I even can remember making crazy lampshades and you know stuff like that years ago. So anyway, my mother was an artist, so some of that obviously rubbed off on me. She painted with oil paints and very realistic work, and I just started dabbling. And what I was doing because we were involved with horses, and my daughter and I used to go to horse shows and and whatnot. I started painting horses, and they were you know. My brother said once, he was in New York, he sent me a message and he said, I see you're painting horses. Can you make them look like a horse? So a bit of a backhanded, you know, compliment. But I was doing them with lots of bright colour and, you know, just my attempt at at doing a horse and people were buying them. You know, I was selling them for like $400 or something to all our friends and it grew from there. I started doing animals like emus and Oh, elephants and all sorts of crazy things. And then I started playing around with abstract. I just started creating scenes and painting landscapes, and but they weren't real landscapes. They were just sort of how I'd feel or, and I'd add crazy colours and whatnot. And people started really liking them. And I was approached actually by Philippa from Art to Art and she's in Baldwin and she said, I really like your art. I love what you're doing. Can you please, we've got a pop-up coming up. Can you send some paintings? And I think I gave her seven paintings and all of them, but one all sold straight away. So I thought, oh, this is interesting. Obviously a little bit more than the $400 price tag that I uh, had on them in the beginning. And I just grew with a bit of confidence and started trying new things and experimenting. And I think that's what it's all about really. And I never approached anyone, but I had galleries then contacting me saying, we love your work. Could we have, you know, represent you? And it just snowballed from there. It was incredible, actually, the way it grew. 
And I started getting commissions from people. They would DM me or send me an email. And I was finding that I was doing my law job. I had to drive an hour to get to Surrey Hills and an hour home at night. And then I'd be painting and it might be till 12 or one in the morning. But I never had the confidence to just give up my day job. So I just kept pushing it and painting all weekend, painting every night until I was getting absolutely exhausted. I had these a twitching eye and I thought, I just can't keep this up. And I was busy enough and making a bit of an income. And I thought, I think I've just got to get brave and follow my dream and just stop what I'm doing here. I don't want to be a legal secretary anymore. <laughs> Much to my boss's horror, I told him I was resigning. So he wanted me to go part-time and it still wouldn't have, you know, helped to, you know, I saw the big drive there and it just seemed to exhaust me and wasted too much of my energy when I really wanted to paint. I really, I had so many ideas. And so, yeah, I, I left my job and I guess the rest is history. It just snowballed, which was just amazing. I was gaining so many followers. You know, people have asked me about followers and how do you get followers, but I've never paid anyone to get any likes or follows. I don't agree with that. I, I want people, you know, that love my work and want to see my work and love painting and art. And so, yeah, I stuck with that and that's how it's happened. That's such an amazing story. And I actually, I'm lucky enough, you, you shared a bit of your story already with me because I went to one of your workshops a really long time ago. That was before COVID, I think. So it was really great to like hear your journey. And people listening, they might feel like this has just been thrown on your lap and it, all these amazing opportunities have been presented to you and, whoa, lucky, lucky Joan, but like how can I make a go of this art career? What would you say? Do you think that there's a secret source? I feel the passion when you're talking and I'm wondering if it is that passion, that energy, that excitement that you had that really like came through in your work and then maybe that's what your secret source was. I think there was life in it. A lot of people say, oh, they make, my paintings make them feel happy. And I think there is a certain joy to it, happiness. And I have a real zest for life, I suppose. And that's part of it. And it just captures, I mean, I love all sorts of art and I've got art by so many different artists in my house. No room for mine, unfortunately. But that's part of it. You know, you have to find something that you like and I don't want to look at depressing paintings and I find most people want things that make them feel uplifted and yeah that's part of it just the the joy the happiness I paint a lot from things I've seen you know memories of areas or like a scene of where I've been you know and it's more the feeling of the place so that's what I do too like I have been criticized I have to say for the amount of colour and how vivid my paintings are. I've heard people say, oh, she can only paint colour. So that got me on a bit of a tangent and I did some really neutrals, you know. But time and time again, it's the colour that people want to see. I found that, you know, I've sort of tested it and tried different things and people want to see the colour. And I, I just love colour. I love colour. Yeah, and you have to tune into you. You're the one making the art. Like if they don't like it, you know, that's fine. Carry on. Yeah, there's there's lots of other artists, of course. This podcast episode is sponsored by Laura's new eight-week group coaching program designed specifically for new and emerging artists seeking motivation and accountability. Join us to discover your unique artistic voice 
set empowering goals and gain clarity and confidence, and connect with a supportive, creative community. It's time to unlock your creative potential and design the life you've always dreamed of. Limited spaces available for 2024. Join the waitlist at laurajaneday.com slash waitlist. Now, listening to your journey as well, so you were saying you were creating your art and then Philippa uh, from Arts Art noticed you, approached you, and then opportunities sort of came your way. Is there anything that you think you did well in that period to basically invite those invitations for opportunities? So I know you were just chatting about with Laura about the joy side of things and your, your artwork has that beautiful positivity. But is there anything else you think like presenting with confidence or sharing on socials as much as possible or behind the scenes or? Yes, there wasn't a lot of behind the scenes. I've sort of, I know a lot of my artist friends like to go and meet all their stockists and et cetera, et cetera. And I I actually haven't done a lot of that, mainly because I'm really busy and, you know, I'm happy to talk to anyone, obviously. And, but I don't deliver my paintings mostly to people and, and have the talks with them. And I don't know. I'm, why I do that, but that's just the way it's been with me. But I do know there's a few things that I've done and that like I was working crazy hours. Like I said to people, and I've said this in workshops, when you're starting, you really have to work hard. You can't not paint every day. You have to paint every day. Even if you've got another job, you've got to do it after you. Because I've noticed, I look back at my earlier work and my work now is so much more proficient. You know, it's the practice and the practice that actually increases your, you know, your whole ability. And so that's one thing. And like I was painting 12 hours a day once I left work, 12, sometimes more if I was getting an exhibition done. And then there's nothing wrong with reaching out to people if you want to or need to. And I do encourage, you know, people starting off. Yes, you've got to have a little bit of a portfolio. You've got to have a selection of your work, take some good photographs, and then either if you want to go meet them, which, which I never did, but you could email them and, you know, a nice letter about what you've been doing or whatever, and someone will decide that they like your work. I started off a lot in homeware stores, and I was in a lot of those to start with, and I, I got a bit of a title of being Joan Everywhere, sort of, and I just didn't know whether that was bad or good, or it was just that people wanted my art, and I said, oh, look, of course, and, you know, it's just, I don't know, some sort of weird way of trying to please everyone. And then actually 2019, the block came along and I was uh, on the block in Kerry and Spencer's room and they did it slightly differently than they do nowadays. In fact, I was asked to go on the block this year, but I declined oh, for a few reasons. But in the back in the day, the artists used to go and go to galleries and actually choose their work. Now it's sort of run by different companies that sort of control it all and, and do prints and whatnot. So they went into a gallery called Who Gallery and Tom, she's still around as Who Gallery, but he, he's a framer now. He's not in Malvern anymore. He's in Oakley, but he had a gallery, a successful gallery in Malvern and the contestants went in there. I didn't know they were coming and I had a couple of big paintings there, two metre by 1.2 and they were looking for big paintings with colour and I got a phone call. I was actually, I must have been still at work. And I got a call at work saying, oh, we've got some contestants from the block and they'd like your paintings on the block. And I was like, oh, shock, horror, you know, excitement. 
anyway, they bought them. They bought them for half the price, which is sort of what happens nowadays as well with things they buy on the block. And the two rooms that my paintings were in, one, and they, that was exciting. But that was actually the start of my summer series, which was the first painting they bought and it was in their hallway. And so many people love that painting and I've done it in so many different ways, hundreds of them. Um, I'm painting one for Belgium at the moment, actually, a really big one. And it's gone all around the world, this painting, and it's just basically blocks of colour and people love it. So that was one style that I really committed to and I did over and over again, but in different ways. None of them are the same. I've sort of gone off tangent. I don't know. (laughs) Oh, helping people, I guess. Yeah, no, that's okay. I mean, these interviews are always chats and getting to know you, but where what you were sharing sort of leads me to in terms of questioning is around the style piece. So did you have like some sort of a moment where you landed on a style? I know you were talking about painting horses and then moving abstract, but I would say from the art that I've seen of you, I think I've been in your like seeing your art for maybe three years now, something like that. It has a quite a strong abstract botanical vibe. Botanical, yeah. And it's strange the way, you know, your art ebbs and flows and I've gone into that sort of botanical, I don't know, I just, I suppose it's like we lived on a big property and a farm and surrounded by trees and plants and I love landscape and that sort of thing and I just sort of got into it. I love flowers. I always had a beautiful flower garden, not so much here with my big dogs ruining all my garden. But I just started working on that. And I guess you try something, then people love it, then you try it again and do it in a different way. And actually the one behind me is about to become something like that. It's going to the AEU. Is that right? AEU? United Emirates. I always forget what it's called. Anyway, sorry, somewhere in Dubai. That's okay. If you're listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, make sure you come over and watch the YouTube video so you can see the beautiful artwork behind Joan. It's looking it's looking gorgeous, those colours. It's the start of a background, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Gorgeous. UAE. Oh, yeah, that's it. UAE, United Arab Emirates. Yeah, oh, that took a while to work out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's surprising. I get a lot of interest from overseas people commissioning me for work. So, but this one happened because the lady has a friend who's got a painting of mine in her house. And so that's, you know, the word of mouth thing's so powerful. Yeah, 100%. So I think what I'm what I'm seeing is that the Joan Everywhere approach was actually the best pro- approach. Well, it started, yeah, I guess it started. Yeah, because you got your art out in front of a wider audience, and that allowed opportunities to happen and also the word-of-mouth business to build. And then after, you know, if the Joan Everywhere approach wasn't working for you after a period of time, you could sort of rein that in and then say, actually, I'm just going to be with. And that's exactly what I did. I was mindful of not being everywhere, (laughs) trying not to be everywhere, and I decided then I was going to really concentrate on galleries and I was going to be a real artist. It, you know, it was my idea. And that's just ridiculous because the decorative art is so big as well. But at the time I thought, no, I really want to get into some gallery. You know, I was in some, but I was pulling out of all the other spaces, which were wonderful to work with. And look, there's, there's absolutely nothing wrong with doing that. And I just, I um, had a little bit of advice from a few of the gallery people that they thought, you know, stick with galleries. And also people, you know, you put your price up. I was doing it yearly and because of the economic climate, I've sort of 
calmed it down a little bit. But it's a good thing because your collectors that bought right at the beginning can see that the art has increased in value. So I like to keep it a little bit under control. And COVID came around and I just sort of thought people are stuck in their houses, particularly in Victoria and Melbourne, and, you know, why not give them something nice to look at on their walls? And so I came up with this idea I'd work on because I mostly painted really large paintings. The smallest was probably in those days. I had a couple 105 by 105, so metre square, but most of my work was 1.2 to 1.5 or 2 metres. And that was sort of it, or bigger. But then I got some 60 by 60, or the 62 by 62 to be exact, and I started painting smaller paintings and putting them up on Instagram as specials because I thought people can't go on holidays. They need A lot of people were renovating their houses or doing up painting their houses, and why not give them something good to look at while they're stuck at home? And it just went crazy. It absolutely snowballed. And I, w- I was having, you know, people that were buying in two seconds. They'd wait for me to post. And it was just crazy. Basically, I wasn't doing as many big paintings then. I was just doing so many little ones. And that's continued. I still do them now because people keep messaging me and ask me when are you going to do some more of those. So when I've got time, I, I sort of do those. And so many people started their art collection by buying one of those little paintings. They had never had original art before. They said they'd never had art before. And it it really made me feel good. You know, they weren't expensive paintings, but people were actually able to buy a piece of art that they could afford. And often also they came back to me and wanted bigger pieces. You know, they realised once they see a painting live and see the texture and the beautiful frame, they work out this is actually really, really a good piece of art. Let's get a piece for above the sideboard or above the sofa or above their bed. And I've had so many repeat, you know, customers, collectors from that era. So that was fun. It was nice to bring some joy. I love that affordable art model. Feel like it's like a gift to like your community. It's like, okay, I'm making this affordable. People need this. I want to spread joy. I want you to it, it to be approachable for you and, and achievable for you to purchase original art. Yeah, I felt really good about doing that. The other thing I've done, especially in the beginning, was giveaways. And one way it gets people to, you know, they tag their friends so other people find you. And then the other thing is you're giving away a painting. And I never, I've always said this to people that ask me about giveaways, I'm not giving away something that's small or one of my little specials. I do a decent size painting and people are just thrilled with them. And it's such a good feeling, you know, to just say, yes, I can do this. I'm giving back. So, you know, there's an upside for me because more people find me and follow me if they want to. And then, yeah, they, they get the painting. So that's really fun. I haven't done it as much. I've done a lot of charity. I do charities all the time, all, all the year I get asked and I never say no. I always do a painting for all sorts of charities. But the giveaways are tricky because I post so much now that the giveaway, I used to just sit there sort of and I wouldn't do any more posts. But now I've sort of got to make it a bit shorter, I suppose. And then, you know, alert people, go back to that post on this date because they, it's a crazy how, how busy it gets. I got involved with Hay for Bales when we had the big drought and, and the 
farmers couldn't get their hay and whatever. So I sold a painting really quickly and I thought, oh, well, I'm going to sell another one. And then I did another one. So that was really great as well. I loved doing all those things. You know, we had the Northern Rivers floods and we've had fire. I've done all that sort of stuff. So I like that. But also charities for like, you know, cancer, women's refuges and all that sort of stuff. It's, it's just all about giving back, which I'm really, really big into. And, I, you know, I say to people, you get what you give out. So you've got to do this with a big heart because I've seen giveaways where people aren't really doing much. And I said, no, that's not it. You've got to actually be generous. And, you know, the universe rewards you in that way. So that's how I feel anyway. I love that. I think that's beautiful. And I think knowing your values, what's important to you as a human, and then integrating that into your business. Because in the end, you know, you want to be in a business that you enjoy and that gives gives back to others. Yeah, that's beautiful. That's gorgeous. I use that word beautiful again. Before we started filming, we were talking about some synonyms for excited and beautiful. <laughs> so I've got to, I'm going to cross out beautiful and I'm going to cross out thrilled. We use that. So yeah. <laughs> we're going to extend. We're going to have gorgeous. Gorgeous. Yep. Listeners, if you have some ideas, send us a DM. <laughs> it is hard. Yeah. It's, they're words that you, you know, everyday life words that you get stuck in your mind. And Can I ask, we'll go back to your international collectors and things like that, because I think maybe breaking down that process, I guess maybe people like are starting out, they're selling in Australia and then in their mind, like and maybe they get approached by an international buyer and they're like, oh, they're like, oh my gosh, too hard basket. How do I approach this? Do you have some advice? Yes. Well, I've kept it pretty simple now. I have a, you know, finally tuned little way of doing things. So I paint the piece and then I show the people overseas the the finished piece. I'm just thinking about which way I'm going to explain all this. Normally, if it's a big piece, I would ask for a a deposit. I usually ask for $1,000. Some people say they want half the value of the painting, but I figure it's always going to sell anyway. So if there was something they didn't like and that's never happened. So I'm just happy to say $1,000 just to connect. And, and then it's good because it makes them work out how to get through to my bank account, whatever, because you need things like SWIFT codes. And so you have to have all that sorted out with your bank first, and which is easy to do. You can just Google what bank you're with, what is their SWIFT code. And then I keep it and I can send it across to the purchaser right from the word go. I paint the piece. I never do, and I know people like to do this, they give progress shots and the people behind are getting a little progress shot, they, although they wouldn't know it. But paintings can look so bad halfway through. You know, you just, you're painting something and it's, and they can't imagine what you're imagining. So I always just wait till the finished product, send them a photo and they approve the photo. Then it goes for framing, or if it's going over rolled, I take it, I, I use pack and send. And I've got a great pack and send that I use actually in Blackburn, Victoria. And they take care of everything then. There is, some people have asked me what happens with import tax. And the thing is, every country is different. You know, I think there was one country recently that was 19% and then it was on the painting how much it's worth, plus the framing. But then not everyone does that. So what I say to people when they inquire is every country's different and I'm not privy to what every country's going to do. 
And some people have things have got through and they haven't had to pay tax at all. So it's a little bit of an unknown, but it's never a lot. I always sort of say to people, you know, don't be frightened because it's not a huge amount. It'll be a matter of a couple hundred dollars or something. It's not crazy. So, but it's all pretty. I get a quote for going over framed or going over rolled, and then they can choose. The big one that's going to Belgium, they don't want to have to take the rolled painting to a framer and get it stretched and get it framed. They're just not interested in doing that. So they're paying quite a a bit of money, I think nearly $2,000 because it's a big painting. The thing with sending it rolled is there's no big risk in damage because you take a big painting with a frame. But I have to say with Pack and Send, they pack them so well and I haven't had any bad luck. I've been really lucky. I use Pack and Send as well and they are amazing. And I just don't have the, I'm sure you're the same, I just don't have the time to pack them. And so I will pay for it to be done. Yeah, they're working on all sorts of ways of trying to make things, you know, lighter and but with a tougher exterior. They've got some new sort of, it almost looks a bit like masonite that's really hard to break into. And because some of the paintings get thrown around, particularly by local couriers, I've noticed. So I would recommend Pack and Send all the way, yeah. So I'm, I am curious, just winding back a tiny bit. So with your international collectors, we were talking about commissions rather than simply overseas sales, and you don't send them a progress image. However, do you? I, how do you capture the brief for the artwork and do you talk about, say, the colour scheme prior? Well, what I ask anyone who's having a commission to do is to send me four or five paintings of mine that they like. So I can reference those paintings when painting something for them. Obviously, I need to know the size. And some people aren't so sure about that. And they send me photos of their room and whatever. And I advise them to get some tape and tape out what they're thinking on the wall. And they can look at it above their sofa and see if it works. And, you know, someone recently just did that, but then ended up doing a diptych and, and putting the two pieces next to each other. So that was easy. I have had interior designers that have sent me even swatches of like curtains or rugs or sofas or whatever. And actually a couple of clients have said, there's this rug that I'd like to match and whatever. And I'm someone who, and I will do it, but I I like to think any sort of color would work in a room and and whether you needed to get cushions or something to match a few of the colors in that room. But I, I usually say to people, tell me colors you really love and also tell me colours you really don't like. You know, someone might say, I don't want yellow in that painting or orange in that painting. And so I'll I'll keep that in mind. But mostly I get free reign. You know, I'm not going to do, you know, it's not painting by numbers. And I've got an artist friend in Sydney and she sent me a screenshot of something where it was her painting and the customer had sent it back and like drawn all over it with darker blue here and more like your other painting here. And, you know, it was just crazy. She refused to do the painting. I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't do it. I would just say that's just not the way I work. And you can't. I'm not going to copy a painting, but I'll look at, you know, there might be something in a painting that, oh, I love the way you did these leaves or I love the way this flower looked or whatever. But And I tell them straight from the word go, it's free range, you know, free range. I just have to do how I feel. But I will look at what you've sent me back and I've got an idea. And I haven't had anyone who's unhappy. So 
something's working there. So that's good. I know a number of artists who are scared of the concept of commissions. They're just worried. They're just, well, they might, either they won't be able to do it, like the, you know, painting tasks that they're given. To their satisfaction or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Or they will just be painting under so much pressure and it won't be their voice. And I'm always reminding them that you're in control. It's your art business. So you can set the rules to what you're comfortable with. So it sounds like you vibe that way as well. Definitely, definitely. And you just, you can't let it get on top of you, but you get more confidence as you go along. Definitely. I just try and paint my best picture the way, you know, and it's, it's worked. So, but yeah, it is daunting in the beginning. It's a little bit scary. <laughs> yeah, so. Joan, I'm curious about your studio practice and how you operate. I'm wondering whether you have like multiple paintings on the go or like how does it work? Well, this is part of a diptych. So I've got the other one on the go as well. But normally I like to paint a painting and finish it. I mean, sometimes there'll be things I'm doing where I've got a background and I'll put a background and then I'll leave it to dry. But most of my work is done sitting there and I'm going to do this painting and I'm going to finish it. Some of the little ones that I do, I'll do background, grab another background, and then I'll do all my detail. But with a commission or something like that, I pretty much work on the same piece. So by the time I've done the top, you know, the bottom's dry, a lot of these ones are, I've got that as a unstretched canvas attached with these like pincer type things attached to a canvas so it's a stretched canvas and just so that will make it stable so that's what I do but if it's a huge three meter or something it sits down the bottom because that's then attached to my it's sitting on my easel so if it was a really huge painting it's rolled and it's sitting at the bottom of the easel so I would paint how I have done there and then I would pick it up you know unpincer it push it to the back of the canvas and then I'd start on that bottom part and then that would be um, that section done and then I'll slide it along and do the next bit and it's like a little patchwork and it's kind of a bizarre way to work. I mean, basically because I'm painting in the house. So I do have a huge garage that I was going to originally start and use as my studio, but a number of things happened. My husband got really sick and I wanted to be in here so I could keep an eye on him. And like, it's sort of handy. I've got my music. I've got the TV if I want the noise in the background or I listen to music most of the time. I've got the heater. I've got the air conditioner. I've got really good lighting, which the other place didn't have. And I was going to get it all plastered, especially down one wall. And then I could have a, you know, a string going across and I could attach paintings to that. But I just got too comfortable in my house. And all, you know, I haven't got any kids at home now. So I had plenty of space to paint. So unfortunately, I do get a bit of paint on the floor and I just have to attack it each night. But they're very forgiving floorboards and I can wipe it up. I sometimes start with towels and whatever, but then the easel, I want to move it and it gets stuck. And, you know, so anyway, that's the way I do it. There comes a point where you just go, I'm an artist. That's fine. (laughs) (laughs) Behind this iPad is all my paints are all my paints. And so, yeah, normally the easel's around there and I I sit and I've got the bench on one side with my brushes and water and I've got all my paints on this side. And I've done some massive paintings that very way. And sometimes I look at them and think, how did I do that? 
I know at the Galotti exhibition last year in October, beginning of October, my husband actually died at the end of August last year. So yeah, that was a very sad time. And then I was, uh, everything was a blur really. And when I got to Galotti in Perth, I looked around that gallery and I thought, how did I do all these paintings? It was just on automatic pilot. It was crazy. And, but that's how I did them. And I did them, you know, stretched over the the canvas and I just kept painting. So interesting how it all happens. But yeah, so there's no reason really to stay in the house, but I've got my dogs here too. I've got three dogs too. I've got a Groodle and a Labrador, crazy chocolate Labrador. And the Groodle was bought to be a friend for her. So they are great mates. So they were always, you know, around me. Um, And I've got a little toy poodle. And so, yeah, I just, they're my company and I paint with them and I, I pretty much stay in the house. It's a bit unusual. But there's no one, you know, my daughter comes nearly every day and and there's two little grandkids, but it's not too much of a mess, put it that way. It's sort of controlled in this one area. And it works. Yeah, it's sort of like a kitchen dining room, I suppose. And if I make a bit of a mess, it's only me that has to see it, really. So that's okay. You're an inspiration, Joan. Yes. And I don't have to travel. I don't have to go anywhere. I literally get up, have a shower, you know, and get straight into it. So I love that. And I can paint late at night. Sometimes I'll stop. I might go to the beach and, you know, or have a day off. We were bowling the other day with my one little grandson was five. And that was a lot of fun. I've got to, you know, enjoy all those moments. And then I came back and I thought, oh, actually, you know, quickly made some dinner. I'm going to keep painting. So, you know, paint into the night, which I really like doing. So for our beautiful listeners, like this is what your life could be if you don't Stick to your guns and keep on, you know, making all those steps, yeah, towards where you want to be. Now, you mentioned before, Joan, um, Galotti Galleries in Perth. Do you, I think you have an event coming up, is that right? I do, I do. I have one at the beginning of December. The dates will be all on my Instagram, but I think it's the 7th of December. And another big one I've got is Art to Muse in Sydney, and that's in April. But I'm also, I'm with another gallery called Sydney Road Gallery and they have exhibitions each month with um, different artists. I've had mine there this year, but they've got a back room and all the artists that are with Sydney Road Gallery, we all continue to each month add more paintings. So that's a really nice one that people can go and look at, you know, my work and everyone else's work. It's the Joan Everywhere effect. I love it. (laughs) I'm going to channel that. (laughs) Another bit of advice that I like to give people that are starting out is it's really important to buy the best quality materials you can, the best quality paints, the best canvases and the, the best brushes. And even if that means limiting what you've got um, to start with, I think that's a really good idea because it really shows. You know, the quality of paint is so important. You don't want to send out a painting or sell a painting and then a couple of years later someone contacting you and it's faded or something like that, you know. All right, hot tip, what's your favourite brands then? We have to ask. I love Golden. I love Golden. Here we are. But, I mean, I still use, I love Matisse as well, Heavy Body Matisse. I also use Winsor & Newton. There's a few colours I have to have with Winsor & Newton. I've got a few Ateliers as well. But I really love the golden paints. They're just amazing. Oh, I have to ask you your hot pink tip then. 
I have been using, and I love it, the golden fluorescent magenta is like my all-time favorite. Me too. And you I, too. It was really hard to get last year. Yes, I found that as well. Yeah, and so my son lives in Seattle in America, and he brought home a bag of 20 little magendas. But in that time, my stockist here where I buy my paint had the really big tubs, and I got two big ones of fluorescent magenta. They're, the pink's nice too. Have you tried the pink? I have. It's just not as rich and deep, is it? Because mm, I like that slightly purpley pink. Yeah. I really like these paints as well. Holbein. Oh, oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. I think you use those. I think you've got the. I saw them on your studio. They're really, really nice. And this Luminous Opera is uh, another bright pink, fluorescent. You've got to watch your fluorescent paints and only get good quality ones because they can fade and people really can't leave them in full sun. That's actually why I was asking <laughs> because <laughs> I love the bright pinks. I'm like, oh, but well, we want the most stable option available. I tend to mix them with the pink. You know, I use my magenta golden and mix it with the fluorescent pink to try and give it a bit of substance and hopefully it doesn't, you know, fade. Look at us art nerds talking about paints and... <laughs> Fluorescent pink, hello, I'm just present right now. Yes, yeah, I love that. I love it. It was hard to get though last year. Yeah, really hard to get. I have one little tub left. It's about I need to hit the store soon, I think. Seems to last for a while and then you get a little bit to the last third and you start panicking. (laughs) Yeah, it's around again though. How will I go on? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. All right, well, amazing. Hey, Laura, do you have any extra questions you think before we wrap up? I feel like this is going to be a really inspiring episode and, yeah, I think just so great to hear your story and, yeah, amazing to have you on the podcast, Jane. Thank you. I don't want people buying, don't buy likes and followers. It's not It's not the real thing. No, and you actually break your account. Yeah, you break your account. Well, you're just buying bots. There's no, you know, you don't need to. So funny story just before we wrap up. I literally, and I think, Laura, you were saying you get these too. I literally get bots liking my stories as in their account photo is a bottom. Um. <laughs> and I don't know why. Like what have I done to deserve this? I, ha- I don't think I've seen that. Oh, you are lucky, let me tell you, because I'm not interested in girls' bottoms. And oh, no. <laughs> they keep on like they're in my face and I don't want them. <laughs> anyway. That's crazy, isn't it? What about the NFTs? Oh, yeah, that's fun. Have you blocked it yet, Joan? Have you blocked it in your hidden words? I don't think I have, actually. I probably should. Yeah. If they're if they're super annoying, just pop it in your hidden words list. Just do that. Yes. Rose showed me how to do that. So she's your girl if you need to figure it out. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Joan. Now, my beautiful listeners, our beautiful listeners, make sure you go and give Joan a follow over on Instagram. And also, have you got a Facebook page as well? I do, but I'm hardly ever on Facebook. It is Joan Blondage, but I'm not really. Blonde is my maiden name, actually. And I had a, when Philippa first saw my work, it was in my um, married name. And I had, but I had a whole lot of horses in there, like New Fold and all that sort of stuff. And she said, oh, I think it'd be more professional to just have art. And I'd sent her an email that was in Blonde. And she said, what's this Blonde? And I said, it's my maiden name. She said, well, why don't you create a new account? So, yeah, the Instagram account's only been going, 
I don't know, for about seven years, I suppose. Yes, so amazing. And I just went to check your handle. So it is Joan Blonde, straight. There's no dots, no underscores, nothing like that. So definitely go and give Joan a follow over on Instagram and check out all of her magic. Her art is absolutely gorgeous and it's everywhere as we've talked about. (laughs) And if you've enjoyed this episode today, please leave us a review. Um, wherever you are listening. And if you're catching the audio, check us out on YouTube. And if you're watching the YouTube, check us out on on the audio. Is that about it, Laura? Yeah, perfect, Roz. All right. (laughs) (laughs) Lots of love, everyone. Thanks, ladies. Thanks, Joan. Bye. Bye.